0: Welcome to the HSCT Warriors Podcast, bringing voice to the journeys of HSCT Warriors worldwide. I'm Dr. Jen Stansberry Koenig, or Zen Jen, moderator of meaningful conversations and convener of community. Whether you are or know someone who is battling multiple sclerosis, rheumatoid arthritis, scleroderma, lupus, or any of the 24 autoimmune diseases that HSCT can halt, or are simply inspired by transformational journeys, you are in the right place. As we continue to grow the HSCT warrior community, illuminate the invisibilities of autoimmune disease, recognize the possibilities of a future free from disease progression, connect through our shared experiences and advocate for an inclusive society. We're glad you've joined us.
1: Thank you so much for joining us today. Uh, We're excited to have you part of our HSCT Warriors podcast community. Joining me this morning is Kevin from
2: Canton, Ohio,
1: Canton, Ohio, thank you, who received HSCT.
2: Uh, I was uh, transplanted or treated in April of 2016 at uh, Raffles Medical Center in Singapore.
1: So exciting to hear more about your journey to Singapore. But before we get started with my questions, why don't you tell us more about how you came to find out about HSCT?
2: I found out about it, uh, I think, the way just about everybody else does, and that is through uh, Facebook. I'm not exactly sure how, but somehow I uh, ran across... um, Uh, something about by George Goss on one of the Facebook groups while I was researching Lyme disease. Prior to going for HSCT, I was uh, treated for Lyme's disease just to see if it would have any effect on my MS, which uh, it didn't, but it did lead me uh, to HSCT as a treatment. I had planned on going for an MSC treatment because there is a clinic in Beachwood that does the liposuction, and the, then they return the uh, separated stromal vascular, vascular fluid through an IV back into your system, but I just realized that I was probably wasting my time and my money, and then I had to go for HSCT.
1: So, what other treatment options had you tried?
2: Oh, man. Well, I was on antibiotics. I went through the B things. I was in an FDA trial. Uh, I was on Copaxone, and uh, then I did the Lyme disease treatment. And uh, and I did. And you know, I was still progressing. I may have actually been secondary progressive when I was treated. I was diagnosed in 2003, and then I had HSCT and. Uh, 2016.
1: So what kind of symptoms were you experiencing?
2: Well, I got diagnosed uh, probably the way I I believe most MS patients do, and that was because of optic neuritis. I went and saw uh, my eye doctor that sent me to a retinal specialist that ordered an MRI, and it came back on the MRI. In, I think, July of 20, uh, of 2003, and uh, that started the the whole MS journey. However, I'm pretty sure that I was having symptoms before 2003, and I may indeed have had MS most of my life. Uh, I had vision problems when I was a uh, teenager in high school, and uh, they never really found anything. Of course, back then, uh, they did not have MRIs, so they... uh, more or less just said, well, just go home and see what happens. So I did, and it kind of cleared up. Uh, but I uh, I think now that that was probably a a case, a mild case of optic neuritis. In fact, my first uh, neuro, he uh, he told me, he says, I think you've had a mild case of MS just about all your life. And uh, looking back on it, I, I kind of tend to agree with him.
1: So when you did see the ad for HSCT, like what prompted you to learn more, follow through, and actually pursue HSCT? What was it about HSCT that inspired you to pursue it?
2: Just the fact that it ended MS. It, it halted the progression, which is something that the drugs won't do. And when effective, the, the best the drugs do is slow it down. And I was just tired of it. I mean, I just wanted rid of the MS, and so I just decided to, if at all possible, that I was going to go for HSCT. I sometimes refer to HSCT as the nuclear option mm. because it is um, probably the, the uh, you know, the hardest uh, of all the options you have for treatment is the HSCT.
1: So why was it important for you to participate in today's podcast?
2: Well, every time I see someone in a wheelchair, I, I, I just get so mad and so frustrated. I just want to scream HSCT, because I know HSCT could possibly have helped them. And what's happening with the MS community in regards to HSCT I think is just sad and and outrageous and borderline criminal. I mean, the fact that patients are not being informed about HSCT is horrible. I bet 95% of all MS patients have never even heard of HSCT. In fact, I've I've talked to many MS patients. I've given two presentations on it to MS support groups. Nobody has ever heard of HSCT. I even had a conversation with a board of director member of the Multiple Sclerosis Association of America, who's also on the board, one of the state boards of the National MS Society. And I asked him, I said, well, why aren't you doing more to inform your, pay, your, your uh, members about HSCT? And he was the only board member that they had that actually had hs that actually had ms and his comment to me was well what's hsct yikes now here you have a guy that has ms that's on the board of two different ms societies and he's never even heard of it i mean what do they do besides go on walks have bike rides or throw themselves lavish awards dinners.
1: You know, I'm really not sure, as I've never joined a society or looked even into the support group. I believe I used a website once to try to find a physical therapist that was trained to specialize in treating patients with MS. And other than that, I, I can't say that I ever depended on them for anything.
2: Well, I just think that it's outrageous that they aren't informing their members about HSCT as a treatment option, because like most vets, we just about all say the same thing, that we the only regret we have is that we wish we would have done it much sooner before the disability accumulated.
1: Well, and to be fair, it is the doctor's responsibility to be sharing this information if they have it, Right. Because ultimately, a doctor is the one to recommend a treatment protocol. So it's, it's also discouraging that not more doctors know about HSCT as an option.
2: Yes, but it, it's also, I think, the uh, responsibility of the MS societies. And I've read, you know, their magazines. They'll talk about anything. You, you go through them, and they talk about anything except HSCT. And when they ever do mention it, they always put it in the middle of a research article or at the end of an article and they'll just have a little paragraph about it. And I, I just think it's outrageous. You know, I, I talk about it as much as I can just to try to inform people. Whether they decide to have it or not, is it's purely an individual choice, but I think everybody should at least be aware of it.
1: Aware of it as an option. Absolutely. Trying to spread more awareness. That's why we're here today, right? Correct. So why don't you tell us more about your trip to Singapore?
2: Oh, well, I'm certainly glad that I did it. And um, looking back on it all, uh, I would do it again in a second. It it actually went very smoothly as far as the uh, just the logistics of just getting there and and going to Singapore. Singapore is wonderful. Uh, They're one of the world's most advanced countries, and Raffles Medical Center is one of the world's best hospitals with some of the world's best doctors. I was uh, very blessed, as I call it, to be accepted as a patient there by Dr. Lowe and her staff. And I had some real problems during treatment, and they, they got me through all of it. But back when I was applying for treatment back in 2015, when I actually got started, um, the world of HSCT was quite a bit different than it was today than it is today. The um, Mexico facility had just opened, and at that time, you had to have a caregiver go with you. Well, I didn't have anyone that was available, so that ruled out Mexico. And I had been previously turned down by Chicago, which I wasn't really surprised or that all upset about. I kind of anticipated that. So I was planning on going overseas for treatment anyway. So basically, my options were Russia, Israel, and uh, Singapore. Well, at that time, the Russian facility had a two-year waiting list. And I didn't really want to wait
1: two years. That's a long time.
2: It is. And my MS was active. I was getting worse. And I wanted to get treatment as soon as I possibly could. So that basically narrowed it down to uh, Singapore and Israel. And there was a couple of reasons that I didn't really want to go to Israel. And that basically left Singapore. So I started communicating with Dr. Lowe and her staff got my medical records all together and sent them over to her, and um, she agreed to accept me as a patient. Well, then in June of 2015, I ended up having to go into the hospital and have hernia surgery, and that kind of delayed the process and actually made my MS even worse. Um, they warned me about that and in my pre-op with the surgeon. He told me, he said, "You're, you're, you're going to the surgery is going to make your MS worse." Well, yeah, said, well, it's what? trauma. Well, yeah, but I, I said, "What, what choice do I have?" I said, "I've got to have this hernia fixed." Right. It was, ex- it was extensive. They couldn't do the liposcopic uh, surgery. They had to uh, give me a full incision, and uh, they filleted me like a carp because my hernia was so extensive but they they got it fixed and the, but what happened then was people got ahead of me in line at the Raffles Hospital and so the uh, patient coordinator she says well we're sorry but you know we we can't take you now until the end of February in 2016 and i thought, like well considering my incision the last thing I want to do is end up in the hospital undergoing chemo and throwing up and popping stitches. Right, right. So I thought, you know, that's that's probably good. It'll give me complete time to heal up. It'll give me plenty of time to get er- my arrangements made and everything to leave. And so it, it actually worked out pretty good.
1: It's wonderful when things fall into place, especially when you have to go halfway around the world. How was that for you just to be on your own in Singapore?
2: Oh, well, it uh, it was fine. I, I had done some traveling when I was younger uh, because I worked in Alaska. So I was traveling back and forth from Canton to Alaska. So I was used to flying you know, some long distances and traveling by myself, although it had been quite a while since I had done that. And I had never traveled to another part of the world like Asia, um, although I think some people do think Alaska is another part of the world. It's really not. <laughs> But uh Singapore was fine I mean they they speak English uh, it's a British type of English, so the phraseology is a little bit different, but Singapore is wonderful it, it's amazing and the hospital staff there with Dr. Lowe, they took wonderful care of me and uh, what were was, some of uh,
1: the like what were some of the essential components of you being there and tell us more even about your Treatment protocol. Was it different than your understanding?
2: Treatment protocol in Singapore is different than the other facilities, but all of the facilities do things a little bit differently. Singapore is the only facility that does what they call the ex vivo separation. They just don't dump the stem cells back into you. Russia does an ex vivo form of it too, but they include a biologic agent as part of their. chemo cocktail, as they call it. They use rituximab. Um, Singapore uses no biologic agents. They use straight chemo drugs, uh, cyclophosphamide and fludarabine. So it is quite a bit different. I failed mobilization twice. Oh, no. Yeah, they didn't actually know if they were even going to be able to do the procedure because even though I produced stem cells Uh, On my first attempt, after they run them through the CD34 selection column, which is the X5O separation, most of them washed out and I only had 1.5 million stem cells. Well, it wasn't enough to go through treatment with.
1: Yeah, they need at least two, right?
2: I think so. And so they uh, said, well, we've never seen this with an MS patient before, but we have seen it with cancer patients. We're going to put you on the uh, cancer protocol, which means they give you the uh, nupogen or a little bit different form of the nupogen or the GSF. They did that. didn't work. I produced nothing. Oh,
0: so wow. So they said,
2: well, there's one more thing we can do, and that is we can try what's called Mobazol, which is a specialty drug. And uh, they do a different form of the nupogen or GSF injections with that. So they came in early that morning. Gave me three huge shots of Nupogen, And then they waited a little while and gave me a shot of the Mobizol. waited an hour, and then took me down. They didn't even do any blood tests. They just went for the separation. They ran me down to the separation room and hooked me up to the machine and started draining my blood out. And they even brought over a representative from the company that makes the separation machine to be there, too. Just to see if she could add, be of any assistance or add any help.
1: Sounds like you really helped them in, improve their protocols.
2: <laughs> well, they'd never seen this before in an MS. Yeah, patient.
1: try everything to.
2: So they kept me hooked up to it all day, and the the uh, tech that uh, the nurse that did my separation that does it there, she told me. She said, "I've run more cycles on you than I ever have a patient before." And then I went back to my room, and uh, Dr. Lowe was gone. She had to leave for a couple of days, so they had their top oncologist filling in for uh, Dr. Tom, we called him. And he came in and talked to me, and he said, well, he says, we got a lot of stem cells out of you, because I was amazed, he said, actually, the volume that we did get. He says, I don't see any reason that we can't continue this treatment.
1: that must have been a huge relief.
2: More than enough. Well, then when they ran them through the CD34 selection column, even though I had, I don't know how many millions of stem cells that they got out of me, they just about all washed out. Yeah. And they only ended up with another million stem cells, which was just enough. I had 2.4 million stem cells.
1: Some people, when
2: they get transplanted, have 10 million or more. But that's because they don't go through the X5O separation. When they do sure. that separation, they just take the cream of the crop of these little baby stem cells.
1: It's encouraging to know that your body was able to respond even to this modified extraction.
2: Well, it took three attempts and an awful lot of drugs. But uh,
1: that, must that be. and
2: uh, help from my guardian angel and constantly praying the St. Jude Novena intervention. From St. Jude. I think I definitely had some divine intervention in this. They got me through it. And then Dr. Lowe had returned then that night. And so the next morning, she just ordered me taken right into uh, into treatment. And I started the chemo. Then the, the right following away. Morning. Right away. Yeah. And then I developed some problems during treatment. I had uh, an E. coli blood infection. Yikes. Yeah, which caused me to be hospitalized probably five days or almost a week more than most patients because they had to finish up treating me. They caught it right away. They jumped right on it and started the medication. So it really wasn't uh, as big a problem as it could have. I I got excellent medical care. I don't think I could have possibly had any care any better. That's so
1: wonderful to feel so supported when you're going through what sounds like a lot of complications.
2: Well, it was. And then... Afterwards, I still had uh, blood in my urine. I had developed hemorrhagic cystitis. Well, they originally thought it was from the chemo, but then it just didn't clear up. And again, they had seen what was causing it in cancer patients, but I was the first MS patient they'd ever treated to have what's called BK virus activation. And so then they had to treat me for that, but that was done on an outpatient basis after I had gotten out of the hospital. And that uh, that worked. They they got it cleared up. And I have since talked to uh, several patients on the uh, Facebook groups that have been having problems. And I've suggested get checked for BK virus. And that's, that's that's been found to be some of their problems. And I've talked to other patients that have said, "Oh yeah, that happened to me too." So it yeah. has happened to other MS patients, even though I was their only patient at Raffles Hospital to have that happen to.
1: That's interesting. It It's an antibody that lives or hangs out in your system, right? And so Yes,
2: it's very common. Probably 80% of the uh, world population has the uh, BK virus, but... It only uh, causes a problem when your immune system is low, or from the like being lowered from the chemo, it allows it to grow to a population level that it starts causing problems. However, in my case, I had had urinary tract problems for a long, long time, it's just small, minor ones, just you know some discomfort, and occasionally, on some of the urine tests, they had found blood in my urine, small amounts, unnoticeable but still there. And I'm now convinced that it was from the BK virus, because after being treated for it, I'm far, far better than I was prior to being treated with HSCT. So I kind of got two benefits from it. You know, not only did it halt my MS, but it also cleared up my... uh, urinary tract symptoms, which I'm basically convinced now is from that BK virus.
1: Oh, yeah. I wouldn't be surprised, especially if those antibodies hang out and hide from you. Yes, I think
2: anyone that's having urinary tract problems and they can't find an answer because they, they don't really check. I mean, I went to several urologists. All they do is take a urine sample. They they dip it or, you know, wick it or whatever they call it, and they don't find anything. and they just it
1: doesn't <laughs> clear it up.
2: No, it might it might help you temporarily, but then once the back into having problems again. And my problems were always, like I said, just minor. Recovery has kind of been I haven't had the roller coaster probably because I didn't have the massive amounts of steroids in Singapore that they use at some of the other facilities. They do use steroids, but I don't believe it's near the uh, quality or excuse me near the quantity that they use uh, in uh, some of the other facilities. And it's been pretty good. Now, I had a major setback last January because I caught the flu that was going around, and that flu was terrible. Indeed. That set me back, and I it took me about six months to really get back to where I was prior to catching the flu. And for a couple of exercises uh, involving my legs, I'm still just not quite there even today with it. And that does concern me because every time you get sick, you know, your MS symptoms get worse due to the leukocyte clonal expansion. And I just sometimes wonder, you know, like, oh, did the HSCT really work? Because that is always something that is always kind of in the back of my mind, you know. And I think a lot of vets are like that, though. Something will happen or they get a little fatigued and they go, "Uh uh-oh, did this work? Because sadly, there are patients that don't respond to the HSCT.
1: Right, well and I think we're all just we know what it's like to wake up and be so different from what you were experiencing just a day or even a week prior in terms of functioning because of the lesions and we do have a lot of many of us have damage that is so hard to detect where the roots are, right? So lesions in the brain... It's tough to tell where those lesions are directly correlated in terms of functionality, and so the, the human brain is quite the mystery. <laughs> um,
2: Correct. Yeah, we still have the damage from the MS, right. which, like with my with my bladder, I still have um, urgency, which is from the MS damage, not the BK virus. Although it's better, I mean, it's it's better than it was. So that's that's been a somewhat of an improvement for me.
1: And so there too when I asked the question maybe it was the wrong question to ask because HSCT really is about halting progression and not getting worse, right? I think as you mentioned Correct. or pointed Correct. out like yes, the catching a, f- a cold or the flu can set us backwards and or help us slow down to recognize some of our old symptoms again, and after not having experienced them for a period of time, it's tough yeah, when it, they it, come
2: back. It is. It's scary. It's scary. Well, Dr. Lowe had told me that uh, I was a poor candidate to experience any recovery due to my age, my uh, disability score. She said I was a six when, uh, when they treated me, I kind of think that's probably about right. And, um, the duration that I had had the disease you know diagnosed in 2003 well I'd had it officially for 13 years and probably longer than that so I had a lot of accumulated damage
1: sure did so did she explain that up front that it might be difficult? Yeah she told
2: me that she told me that you know right away
1: sure and so- I
2: said doc you know at this point I'm I'm willing to take whatever I can get I just don't want to get any worse sure And one thing that they never tell you, the doctors never mention, is that none of us are ever going to get any better until we stop getting worse. And uh, I have seen improvements. You know, I'm working, uh, still working on my PT. I went through the official PT, although I waited longer to start it than most people do. When I first got back from Singapore, I got home in June. I waited till October to start PT. I just wanted to rest. I was just tired and I realized, you know what an ordeal my body had been through and I just wanted to rest. So I went through the PT, uh, probably about 12 weeks of it, I guess, official PT, and then they graduated me into what they call general fitness, um where I just go in and do the same exercises they've given me. I just try to increase them and I've added exercises
1: Sure. and I don't,
2: uh, I don't have a therapist with me, although they're there if I would need them, you know, I can always talk to them and I do talk to them, you know, but uh, if I ever needed help, they're there to help me. And uh, I, I actually, I plan on being in recovery probably the rest of my life and, and that's okay.
1: Well, yeah, you always want to do what you can to strengthen and heal the body whether Correct. it's from past MS damage or a new paper cut on your hand, right? It's
2: Correct. Always- Just not get any worse is, is the big goal, which I think at this point I'm going to say that I accomplished. And I've had improvements. One big improvement that I did have was prior to uh, being treated, I had kind of an irritable bowel syndrome which I think a lot of people with MS have, and I believe they now think that that may actually be one of the first signs of MS. And that has completely gone away with HSCT. That's a a tremendous improvement. That's completely completely gone away. My bladder is better, um, probably just from getting rid of the BK virus, but it it does seem to be uh, somewhat better. My vision is a little bit better, too. I have noticed that I think the optic neuritis since treatment uh, has
1: uh, been been
2: reduced. um, Wonderful. And I always, uh, you know, when I'm having a conversation with people, I always say, look, just stay home and rest and avoid people. Because the longer you can go without getting sick and triggering an immune response and the more rest you get, the better you're going to be in the long run.
1: Sure. So, did you ever contract shingles or anything?
2: Did no. They, um, did they keep
1: you on an antiviral for the good? Yes, first so year? I was on
2: a cyclovir for a year. Um, actually, I had had a very, very mild case of shingles probably. Oh, I don't know, twenty or twenty-five years ago. So, I'd already had some experience with uh, with them, although it had been very, very mild case. In fact, I wasn't even sure it was shingles. I thought I'd just gotten bit by something. So and I still you... kind of wonder if that's what it was, but the doctor was certain. And they said, "No, it's shingles." You know,
1: have you? So had I had your... already
2: had shingles, but I guess you can get them again.
1: Indeed, have you had your titers checked?
2: Um, partly, um, there was some kind of a screw up at the lab. They didn't run everything that my hematologist ordered, um, but what did come back, which was chicken pox and um, which is the shingles. And uh, the measles came back as good. Well, that's good. Um, I don't have any resistance to um, uh, tetanus, though. But I'm holding off getting the tetanus shot just because there have been instances where people have gotten the tetanus shot and um, relapsed.
1: Yeah, that's a scary idea when you... It is
2: scary. So I'm I'm kind of avoiding that. Uh, the one... Um, side effect, though, that did develop from the chemotherapy was I am now hypothyroid.
1: Sure. I think so I
2: take a uh, small amount of uh, thyroid medicine every morning, which if somebody said you're going to have to trade MS for hypothyroidism, I would uh, make that trade any, any time because I think there's like 40 million people that have hypothyroidism. Uh, it's just very common, something that just develops as you get older. And in my case, my mother had some type of thyroid problem, so I have a family history of it to begin with. So.
1: Yeah, as do I. As you said, a lot of people have thyroid issues in their DNA.
2: Right. So whether the chemo actually caused it or just uh, hurried up something I was going to develop anyway, uh, I'm not. Uh, I'm right. not sure.
1: Right. So, is there? But at
2: almost, I'm almost 30 months now since transplant. I'll be 30 months here, uh, this month here in a couple of weeks. Um, I'm going to say that HSCT was successful, and that uh, other than having that flu back in January at the 20 month mark, I've been doing, I think, very, very well.
1: Almost three years
2: out. That's wonderful. With all things considered. uh... But back to what I was saying before about the world of HSCT being uh, different today than it was even just a few years ago when I was applying for treatment. The opening up of the Mexico facility and the expansion of uh, the Russian facility. I believe they expanded their facility there in Russia. Uh, The waiting list are down to six months or less for people that apply. That's so
1: encouraging. Well, and I've, I've been noticing there's a new international nonprofit forming in the UK in the United Kingdom to help support people internationally uh, receive HSCT or pursue treatment, pursue evaluation, at least get more information. They are launching sometime in November, and I can't wait to learn more and see what they're doing.
2: HSCT gets more publicity in England than it does here. I remember when Dr. Burt made his presentation to the uh, European Bone Marrow Transplant Conference and presented some of his trial results. Right. Um, It was pretty big news in England. In fact, I posted a couple of the shows that were done about it on our uh, Facebook group. It got no mention in this country at all.
1: Yeah, I don't understand that.
2: None. None. There was no mention of it by any of the MS societies, and there was nothing in the general press or on TV or radio or anywhere that I could find about it.
1: I wonder if they did anything in Chicago. Seems, uh, you mean
2: on the local TV?
1: Yeah, just, you know, he's been doing this research at Northwestern now for quite some many years. and if-
2: I, I'm going to say no, because if there had been, I'm sure somebody would have posted it.
1: Yeah, I don't know. We'll have to look into that, huh?
2: And I've talked to uh, MS patients from Chicago, you know, on some of the Facebook groups or some of the MS groups. And they don't know anything about Dr. Burt or anything about HSCT. They've never heard of Dr. Burt or HSCT, and they live miles from the hospital. I mean, they're right there, and they know nothing about it.
1: It doesn't make any sense.
2: It's why I'm so angry at these MS societies. Why? they they are so resistant to even mentioning it that it's just absurd. I, I can't even talk to them or anybody from these organizations anymore because I get so mad I just lose it.
1: So how can we shift that for people? How can we continue to get the awareness out there?
2: We're just going to have to keep doing what we're doing, and I think we're just going to have to overwhelm them with numbers. The more people that can we can get treated that start saying, hey, you know, look, you know, we have, I think, now in the state of Ohio, as far as I can figure, and this is just an estimate, but I think we've got somewhere around two dozen HSCT vets here in the state of Ohio, or or pretty close to it.
1: That we know about anyway, right? Like, that think- we know
2: about. There's Facebook probably some not- out there that we haven't reached yet, and we oh, haven't gotten them yeah. to join our Ohio HSCT group, but um, we're working on it. We're working on it. But so far, my experience with talking about HSCT has been basically negative, And at times, it's even been hostile. Mm. And I know when I gave the one presentation to the uh, one MS support group, I actually had a lady and her husband come up and yell at me after the presentation. Yikes. They were angry. And, uh, but I, I, I understand it. They say, well, why isn't my doctor telling me about this? why isn't the MS society telling me about this or at the very least talking about it? And then, you know, it's like I have to pay for it myself, which you will, if you can't get into Chicago and get insurance coverage, I have to leave the country. I have to go through chemotherapy. I mean, it sounds very intimidating and I understand all of that. And, um, I think the only way we're going to win this battle, if we win it, I'm not positive on the future of HSCT as a treatment option in America. I think that the medical community and these MS societies are going to resist it as long as they can.
1: It doesn't make any sense to me why anyone would want to prolong suffering.
2: I have gotten so mad at at these people that work for these MS societies that, like I said, I can't talk to them anymore. I actually had one person from the MS society tell me that, and I asked them, I said, why aren't you advocating for this? They just said, it's not our job to advocate. That was their exact response to me. And I thought, what what is your job?
1: Yeah, that doesn't make a whole lot of sense, does Ah. it?
2: For instance, the the clinic that I go to has 3,000 MS patients. It's a specialty MS clinic. That's all they do is treat MS. I was their only patient to have had HSCT.
1: That's amazing.
2: Well, we now have two because um, she just came back from Mexico. So they now have got two patients. But still, two patients out of 3,000.
1: Well, yeah, maybe you can work with the director there and set up some kind of presentation that you and Bonnie can start giving out more information. Not that Well, it's, not I think that, it's that would job, be a,
2: but... pretty, a pretty hard thing to do. I, I, I don't see that happening. I walk through the clinic every Tuesday because my yoga class is there, and I go to yoga class, so I just cut through the clinic to say hi to whoever I see, and uh, nobody ever ever mentions anything they just say hi you know or I mean they're friendly and they're nice but they don't ever say well how did the treatment go how I mean they don't ask a single question about
1: it. Maybe you could let them know that you've been interviewed on this podcast and give more information to the desk about HSCT and your story and you can say like I've been coming here for how long now and don't you see that I'm no longer progressing that everything has been halted, and I'm almost three years out now. And do you see the? Difference? I,
2: you know, I tried. You know, I've I've spoken out a lot about this, and like I said, I gave you know two presentations on it, and the feedback has been universally negative.
1: I hope that, and we can... I
2: don't see see that changing, especially like you said, at the clinic or at the doctor's offices, until the FDA comes out and approves it.
1: Yeah, well, Well, okay. the FDA
2: isn't in any hurry to approve it because there's nobody pushing for it. You know, when a drug company comes out with a new drug, they've spent a ton of money doing the FDA trials, and I know a little bit about that having been in one. And then they go to the FDA with their attorneys, with their lobbyists, with their, you know, their research and they say, "Hey, here it is, approve it." Well, that's not happening with HSCT because there's there's nobody pushing it or lobbying for it. So they're not in a real big hurry, as far as I can tell, to approve this.
1: Well, yeah, Dr. And then the
2: MS society say, well, we're not advocating for it or or even going to talk about it because it's not FDA approved for MS. It's like each one uses their other one's own inaction to justify their inaction, kind of like a circular firing squad.
1: Yeah, it's a bit of a tough situation when Dr. Bird has such a small crew. Uh, it's cal- like
2: me at the MS clinic with 3,000 patients. It's right. just me. Right. Well, all we have is Dr. Bird, and both he and I are pretty easy to ignore, just like they ignored his presentation to the European Bone Marrow Transplant Conference in Euro- over in Europe. Right. Didn't get to- a single word of notification no publicity in this country whatsoever it was completely ignored
1: it is maddening
2: i think i think they're just deliberately ignoring it i mean how it it was big news in england and i posted a couple of the tv programs that talked about it on our ohio website and it was on some of the other facebook groups too how could they not know about it
1: right or the promises the uh the hope and opportunity that it offers so many people
2: but then again, when I go back to that conversation I had with the board member of the uh, MSAA and who was on the state board of the uh, MS Society, and he, I think, was their only board member that had MS, and he had no idea what I was talking about. He, he had never heard of HSCT.
1: It's such a different thing when nobody is aware. It's such a different idea to roll around in your head from medication, right? It, I mean, they've been pushing the medication for so long when you hear something different from medication for the rest of your life it's tough to wrap your mind around it
2: that's part of it but you know we have the ms narrative right and the uh, medical community and the ms community it's like a big oil tanker it's like a huge ship and once it gets to heading in a certain direction it takes an awful lot of power to get it to change course turn around. And with MS you've got the patients which are kind of pre-programmed to take a pill, get a shot or go for an infusion, and you have the doctors, you know, the medical community, and then you have the drug communities which kind of make up the whole MS ship and there's a lot of mass there, there's a lot of weight, and they're all going down the direction of the drug of drug treatment.
1: So, how could we shift that? What could you offer as advice? I,
2: it, I think the only way we can do it is just to overwhelm them with numbers. You know, until there's so many people that show up and say, hey, we've all had HSCT and look, it works. Right. Or it works most of the time. Sadly, it's not 100% effective. Sure. You know, like I said, we've got over 3,000 patients at the MS clinic I go to. They've now had two patients that have had HSCT. I can just almost guarantee you that they're just going to ignore us. They're not going to say anything about it. They're not going to be hostile. They're just they're just going to ignore us.
1: We've got to mobilize more warriors.
2: Well, we've got to have more people treated. When they eventually get a hundred people that have been treated with HSCT, then maybe maybe they'll notice. At this point, you know, I mean who am I? I'm just some crazy guy that they consider non-compliant well, because I'm not on I'm not on an MS medication.
1: Maybe we need to get your yoga mat printed with a big HSCT logo, and every week when you're there for yoga and you roll out your mat and it says HSCT on it, people might begin to ask you, "What what is that?"
2: Yeah, I mean it's 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 really difficult, Jen. I mean it's 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 why I'm just not very. Very optimistic.
1: Why don't we shift gears for a minute? And why don't you name a superpower that you gained from your experience with HSCT?
2: Oh, if I have any superpower at all, it's my guardian angel.
1: Yeah?
2: Yeah, my guardian angel and then uh, intervention from St. Jude. And when I was going through all of that in Singapore, I prayed to St. Jude Novena constantly, asking uh, for intercession. Well, something worked because I managed to get enough stem cells uh, to, you know, for mobilization to go through the treatment.
1: Yeah, that must have been terrifying to go through so oh, many complications. It was,
2: I, you know, I was at the point, I just couldn't believe it. I mean, I was just devastated. But, um, well, I got through it and uh, everything seems to have worked out to this point anyway.
1: So is there anything holding you back from sharing your superpower?
2: No, not at all. I mean, I, I will talk about HSCT in my experience to anybody that wants, uh, you know, that wants to listen. And I, I do mention and bring up HSCT as much as I can on the MS websites on the Facebook groups, but I met a lot of opposition there. I finally dropped off the National MS Society Facebook group just because they were so hostile to me. I just thought I'm I'm wasting my time, so I just, I just left you know, because of the resistance to HSCT. They just w- didn't want to even hear anything about it.
1: It's tough to be up against resistance.
2: It is. Especially I mean,
1: when you're recovering and trying to heal your body and move on. So can you recommend any resources or books or other materials that helped you in your recovery or that other people could access to learn more about HSCT?
2: The only place you're going to learn about it or find out about it that I'm aware of is on the Facebook groups. That's where all the information and all the, the support is. It, it's on the Facebook groups. There, there's nowhere else that I can find to go. The MS societies aren't going to tell you about it. They'll say, oh, it's on our webpage. Now, where is it on the webpage? page? And how much info do you have, and how accurate is the info? The doctors aren't going to tell you about it.
1: Yeah, you know, it's interesting because I I found out about HSCT through a newspaper article at my local university and did not join the Facebook groups. I know when I first went for evaluation with Dr. Burt, they told me about the Facebook groups. But I did not join them because I'm not big into Facebook anyway. And so once I went for mobilization, I thought, I wonder I wonder what these groups are all about. Maybe I'll just at least join the Chicago group. And uh, once I did and met people, I said, well, this is such a tremendous resource and so helpful. I had no idea how helpful yeah. it was. And then, you know, how much I had missed out on. But again not knowing about HSCT or about the wealth of information available by connecting with others that are part of our community, it seems pretty desolate out there for sure.
2: Oh, it is. And, and why isn't that information that's available through, like you said, the Chicago HSCT Facebook page, why isn't that available from the MS societies? Sure. Should be. You know, I mean, Why?
1: Even all the research that they claim to need, well, there are plenty of research articles out there in peer-reviewed medical journals. Why aren't those publicized more? Let people at least gain easier access to those journal articles because oftentimes people don't find them because they don't have subscriptions at that level at an academic institution or a medical institution, right? So... There are plenty of people who are capable of reading and understanding those articles for themselves if they only had access to them.
2: Well, I believe Russia has been doing this procedure for MS for 20 years, if not more.
1: Canada, for sure.
2: I think they opened up to international patients about, what, five, six, seven years ago? Singapore has been doing it for about 18 years and i don't know how long they've been open to international patients there's certainly mexico i don't know how long mexico's been doing it but they just recently here within the past 3 years agreed to start taking international patients israel i'm i'm not even sure how long israel's been doing it but i guess it's been for quite some time and they've probably been open to international patients there's... but nobody knows about right. that
1: right plenty of research out there
2: you know, you have, the only place you're going to find out about this is in these Facebook groups. That's the only place. Interesting. Now, if you did bring up a good point about that local article in the paper, there have been some news agencies that uh, have done reports about HSCT. The lady, uh, Bonnie, that just came back from Mexico, uh, that's a member of our Ohio group, she had a very nice article in the local paper there printed about her are going to go to Mexico for this treatment.
0: That's I don't
2: know if they've done any follow-up on her since she's been back or not. I I don't believe that there's been any, any follow-up articles about her. Well, and our, our,
1: our local ABC affiliate ran some wonderful stories about me. It's just that not enough people have access to their local media to share their story. And even when it is shared, it's a blip on the radar, right? it's, Correct. on the evening news and then it's gone again and my story was aired a, a few times which I'm grateful for and grateful for more people to ac- have access to that information and knowledge and every time my story aired I was contacted by people locally uh, to find out more and so I responded and supported them in finding out more information but beyond that you're right it's just not talked about
2: no now, did any of the MS societies contact you, any of the local chapters there and ask you to come talk or try oh, to get information no, from no, you? no,
1: no, no, definitely yeah.
2: not. Why is that? I mean, ah, you know, it's just so maddening for me because, like I said, like most vets, if I'd have known about this and been fully informed, I would have been treated much, much sooner.
1: With oh, this. absolutely. And I wouldn't have
2: the degree of disability that I do have from all the years that I accumulated damage.
1: Right. That is the very frustrating part of this is had I known about it sooner, I would have pursued it sooner. And let me tell you this, my uncle, who's not blood related, but my uncle has been living with MS, gosh, for 40, 50 years. And he's kind of an anomaly to be the age he is and be so far progressed with his MS, but just got into a wheelchair just a couple years ago. He was managing so well. And so when I was diagnosed, there were a lot of people making comparisons, thinking, well, it's going to take you a while before this gets worse. And that was not my experience. I had a very aggressive form of the disease that really took me down in terms of ability. And so had I only known about it sooner, and it's frustrating a year into recovery and still be as challenged with mobility as I am, to think if i had only known about it sooner right i wouldn't be this bad off
2: yes but i know it's very aggravating but just think how blessed you and i are that we right. found out about it
1: correct correct you know and we don't we can wake up in the morning and and have more confidence anyway that we're not getting worse
2: but, you know, I try to talk about it as much as I can, but like I've said, it is not well-received. So, and I, I kind of understand that. You know, you tell other people with MS about it, and sadly scared. it's mostly a negative feedback. They just, you know, really aren't aren't interested in it. And I, I understand why.
1: Well, yeah, there's a lot of fear there, right?
2: You so, know, well, they just don't believe it, I think. I just think that there are a lot of people that are just, you know, they just don't believe it because, like I said, their doctor isn't telling them about it. The MS Society isn't talking about it or telling them about it. Uh, it's not a pill. It's not a shot. It's not an infusion. It's a pr- it's a procedure. It's a major medical procedure.
1: That's alternative. And then you've got
2: the two big scary words, which they are. I mean, they scared me of chemotherapy. Mm-hmm. Or they think... Oh, I've had chemotherapy because they've had, you know, one of the chemo MS drugs, which isn't the same thing. And then you run into the problem with the word stem cells. And I've experienced that in a lot of cases, the minute that someone hears those words stem cells, you've lost the conversation because they immediately start thinking about dead babies or sheep right. or umbilical cords or something they've heard on Montel Williams TV shows.
1: Right, and that's not And what it's it very is. hard
2: to get the conversation back to the aspect of chemotherapy and to explain to them that HSCT is not about stem cells, it's about chemotherapy. In fact, I had a really interesting and heated conversation with the uh admin of the uh Multiple Sclerosis Foundation Facebook group before she threw me off their Facebook page. I tried to explain to her that HSCT is not a stem cell therapy, that that it's a chemotherapy-based therapy. And her response to me was, HSCT is about stem cells because stem cells are in the name. And I was not going to get through to her no matter how hard I tried. That's disappointing. But then again, we have somebody in a high level at one of these MS organizations that doesn't have MS.
1: Right, and hasn't experienced that slow progression of and you know, I,
2: the And I, I think that that is a huge part of our problem, is the people that are running these MS societies don't fully understand MS, because they don't have it, or they don't have an immediate family member that does.
1: Even if they do, they don't understand what it's like until it's a lived experience. Some people just cannot build that awareness.
2: Well, if you have a family member with it, you do have more experience than the general public does.
1: Indeed, indeed.
2: You know, I mean, that, that would help, at least to some degree.
1: So is there anything you are grateful for about your experience with HSCT that has gone unspoken?
2: Oh, I don't know. I'm very grateful for Dr. Lowe for accepting me. I'm very grateful to the whole medical staff at Raffles Hospital. They were just wonderful, and they were fantastic to me. I'm grateful for all the divine intervention from my guardian angel and St. Jude and just uh, everybody back here at home that helped me get ready to to go, all my friends and everything, and all the people that prayed for me. I had a great prayer chain going back here, and uh, I I fully believe in the, there was uh, some divine help getting me through all this because I certainly had my problems.
1: Yeah, you certainly faced some challenges with going through everything, but I appreciate your focus on shifting the narrative to mobilize for advocacy, and maybe we do. We need to just mobilize more warriors and continue to get our stories out there.
2: Well, it, it's hard. I mean, uh, that's why uh, Vicki and I started the Ohio HSCT Group, was to try to build a connection with local people that have had the process you know, that have had the procedure so that we can get together and, you know, be more than just one person saying, hey, I've had this, it works, and have everybody look at you like you're crazy, you know. I think the only way we're going to win this is just to have lots and lots of people show up and say, look, you know, we're not just one crazy person that went to Singapore or Mexico or Russia.
1: Right. We're crazy you together. Know, we're
2: there's a whole bunch of us. And until we get more numbers I know, I mean, I'm not even positive that's going to do anything. This resistance, as I call it, the HSCT is just so ingrained in the medical community and in these MS societies. I, I think it's gonna be a really, really tough fight that we're in for to get any progress from this at all. I know they say that um, they think the FDA will finally recognize HSCT for MS in 2023, I believe is the figure that they keep quoting. Well, that's, I mean, that's what, five years from now? Right, too far away. Exactly. I mean, if I wouldn't have been treated, I, I would have been dead by then. I may i may die by then anyway. Sure. You know, my age, I'm 6 almost 61, so... I mean, who knows, but I think I definitely would have been if I hadn't had HSCT, or at the very least, I'd have been in a nursing home. Right, right. Well, how many people are going to get worse and suffer needlessly that could be helped with this procedure, and they, they aren't even going to know about it?
1: And that's why we're here. That's why we're here, sharing our stories and trying to advocate more for HSCT as a valid medical procedure grounded in science that halts progression of disease. And disease well, I,
2: I really uh, applaud you for your effort in starting this, uh, this podcast. Hopefully, it will gain some momentum and we'll get a lot of people to listen to it. And,
1: I hope um, that's true, too. I, I do have plans this fall for some recordings of some panel responses to more questions about what is HSCT and how do we learn more. I also plan to get more active on the YouTube and at least extend the audience beyond podcasting into the YouTube plethora of opportunity um, and just continue to try to get this out there on more platforms so that more people do have a chance to tune in and learn more from our stories, our journeys. Thank you for sharing your journey. It's been So amazing to hear more about Singapore and the chance you took and your warrior bravery and continued push to be an advocate for HSCT. Thank you for your commitments.
2: Well, thank you so much for having me, Jen. It's been a pleasure.
0: Be sure to visit our website, hsctwarriorspodcast.com where you can find notes from today's episode, submit ideas or feedback, and access the latest HSCT research and resources. Special thanks to musical genius Bill Alitzhauser for sharing his superpowers to create the soundtrack, edit, and produce the audio to make this podcast possible. You can find us both when you subscribe on SoundCloud, iTunes, or wherever you find your podcasts. Take a moment to leave a review because your feedback will help to develop even better episodes, and your ratings will help other people find the show. Just a quick announcement to close out today's episode, because it definitely inspired some ideas and calls for action. In consideration of feedback received on the blog, Instagram, and Facebook pages, We're going to take the holiday season to regroup, refresh, and record new episodes. We're always looking to grow. So if you are
1: interested in being interviewed or have ideas for upcoming episodes, please be sure to visit our website, hsctwarriorspodcast.com, to leave feedback and subscribe so that you don't miss out on any interim updates as we prepare Season 2. Thanks so much for tuning in and for being a part of this community. We wish you all the best in health and wellness moving into the holiday season. Take good care and be kind. Be well.